Hi everyone, my name is John California Territory Hastings and I'm joined by my, yeah that's right. So wait a minute, you cover up pedophilia and I cover up lynchings, hello. Let's put our our cards on the table, I guarantee every territorial promoter covered up the following, pedophilia, racism, one murder on average, one murder on average. So here's the, so I believe that territory promoter, by the way I'm Dylan God and... I already said John Hastings off the top, you fuck. Oh, pussy on the ass. Uh, I don't. I think that the implication that they covered up a murder is absolutely true. I believe they would cover up a murder, but the implication of covering up means, oh, I know I did something wrong. I do not think that they covered up pedophilia or racism. I think they flaunted both. <laughs> You'll get no argument from me. Ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about a terrible man, Vince McMahon, putting another group of terrible men out of business. It's the death of the territory section of the Vince McMahon saga. Now, this is the most important and I think most ill-reported portion of history. A lot of people very sadly lament the death of the territories, and I lament it in that it gave us a variety of great wrestlers. Um, But that's because we can look at the clips and we can look at it historically and go, Oh, imagine being there when it was the Freebirds versus the Von Erics, or imagine being in Portland when it was Don Don Owen was promoting Roddy Piper versus the Sheep Herders. When you look back, it's men. Don't you wish you were there for one part of the ter- that territory? Because that sounded really yeah. fun, and then the rest of it was just boring fucking shit wrestling with the exceptions of Florida and Memphis of course I don't want to get fucking any heat from noted racist yet liberal man Jim Cornette don't you fuck with Memphis oh yeah Jim Cornette also blames the reason Smoky Mountain failed on a lack of pedophilia by Chris Jericho and Lance Storm (laughs) Lance Storm was married so he wouldn't fuck anybody and Jericho's too picky. Not like the Rock and Roll Express. They'd go right to the school. <laughs> let me let me fucking tell you, cunts, what's fucking wrong with the fucking wrestling business. Wrestlers are not being escorted out of elementary schools. In my day, Rob, <laughs> Ricky and Robert, they were by the slide in their gear going, when's your birthday? <laughs> <laughs> then, you, then those p- parents would come to the matches to try and beat up the boys. And Pooter and Scoot, well, they'd run away, and then the Midnight Express, we'd go get Wendy's. Roman Reigns should fucking fuck a five-year-old. How dare he be married? Think about how many more kids would come on there if he was like John Cena and fuck some of those kids. Let me tell you this, you cunts. AJ Styles would have heat if he went all Paul Bernardo at a nursery. <laughs> yeah, here's how you be heel in the South in the 70s. Just be like, why don't you have sex with a 23-year-old? Spoiled bananas, Fuck buddy. You. Fuck Boo. you. I don't eat bananas out of the goddamn garbage neither. I fuck <laughs> 12 to 19. As soon as there's a two in their fucking age, I think they're legally fucking dead. Welcome to Macon, Georgia. Our wrestlers eat peaches when they're rock hard out of the ground, not soft. <laughs> like, if... Let's put it this way. We have a lot of British listeners. Territory wrestling was essentially like the BBC in the 70s. 
You're just shocked that someone wasn't a sex criminal. No, territory wrestling was like the school you came up in. Because <laughs> every British school had a couple teachers who... Oh, yeah. <laughs> ...dipped into the pool, buddy. That was the funniest thing about Britain where it's oh like... I was like, I think I was on a date with a girl one time and I was like... How come there's pedophiles in... This is how good it was at dating, by the way. How... Why is there always pedophiles in every British school? And she was like, there's not pedos in every British school. I was like, did you have a teacher that, like, slept with one of the kids? She's like, well, yeah. And I was like, yeah, no. That didn't happen here. That didn't happen in Canada, not rather. true. In Canada, it was done in a... In my case, it was done in a slightly more polite, like, hilarious way. And I've told this story on the podcast before. His name was Mr. White. He was a gym teacher. He was an absolute... Of course he was. He was a piece of shit. He, was he a painter? <laughs> yeah, he painted the town fucking boring. Anyway, he started... He, he dated a girl the second she graduated, and it was a secret, and her sister was in my grade, and our entire grade knew, and that guy could do fuck nothing. So I, I vividly remember a kid... Walking into gym class late, and he was like, "You're late," and he went, "Fuck you! What are you gonna fucking do about it? I know who you're dating." And he was like, "Good point. Start running." And it was just like, uh-huh. and then he fucked that kid as revenge. He seduced the kid. That kid actually, I think, later drowned. Oh yeah, and Mr. White's white. Yeah, in Mr. <laughs> yes, in Mr. White's cum. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Mr. White. You used to live on Maryvale in Ottawa, and we would see you walking to Danny's. You're the first guy I ever see, saw take takeout from Danny's, and I fucking hate you still. <laughs> I fucking hate you. Takeout take from Danny's is like, I want to eat this lonely food, yeah. extra lonely. I am supposed to be an athlete, but what, how I feel about the boys and girls on the swings make me want to eat pancakes with mustard in my basement. Mm. So let's talk about the uh, territories in a more direct way rather than just which teachers were pedos. The w- All right, so WWF Titan purchased, uh, sorry, WWF consisted of at this time at the end of 1982, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, Maryland, Connecticut, New Jersey, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, Vermont, Delaware, and Maine. I would love to see a wrestling show in Vermont. It's just on a riverboat. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine it's like that, what was that movie with Mel Gibson, where he's a card shark? It's like that movie. It's like, oh dear, I do think that Tony Atlas is rather a brute, but I fancy this form of theater. You've clearly never been to Vermont. Vermont is this beautiful hippie paradise. I remember I went to Vermont and I was walking through a farmer's market and there was just a lady wearing overalls, no bra, just nipples through the little metal clasps of the whole thing, and I was just like, what a paradise this is. That was Hillbilly Jim, John. Uh, that was Hillbilly Jim's wife, Hillbilly Jane. <laughs> she was six foot three. Oh, she was, yeah. And she had a clit the size of fucking old Vern Gagne's fist. Uh, not only that, uh, wide back, thick beard, great kisser. <laughs> um, li- so everyone knows I like a lady with a big clit. Everyone knows that. That everyone knows. What do you know about John Hastings? Big clit Hastings. He loves a big clit. He likes it to look like one of those speed bags for uh, when you're training for boxing. And I just get in there and with my forehead just give it a. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. John Hastings uh, had an ex-girlfriend, and uh, she... <laughs> Never mind. I don't even know where I'm going with that. <laughs> um, <laughs> something about having to check your clit at the door. I don't know. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't going anywhere you know good. I believed in you. I thought it was... You know what? I saw where it was going, and I was excited to see where it ended up. But you know what? It's all about faith in yourself. Speaking of people having faith in themselves, <laughs> let's talk about the territories, a group of men that had far too much confidence in their business ability. Um, so the WWF had the second largest, this is at before Vince makes his move, the second largest area of any territory. What was the first? AWA. Yeah, fucking Vern Gagne. Yeah, old Vern Gagne. Old Vern Gagne. How about this? How about... Okay, Muhammad what? Okay, oh. first of all, you're going back to Cassius Clay if you're wrestling old Vern. Secondly, I'll give you a draw, but if it goes more than five minutes, you're losing to old Vern, and you're legally changing yourself to Cassius Clay, and uh, you're going to have to bleach your skin. <laughs> uh, Greg, Greg, someone named Tony Atlas called, said, he, said he's a muscle-bound man. Now, what does he look like, Greg? Uh, he's a tall, handsome man, has a foot fetish, Dad. Uh, he's black. He's what? No. Can't have a black man with muscles in Minnesota? They'll take over the fucking state. Too many people have weak backs. <laughs> it'll be, it'll be revert. It'll be like that dream I have every night. He'll fuck my fucking wife, Greg. Fuck you. Suck my dick. He made his son suck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm scared, Greg. Suck my dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dad. It calms me down. Yeah. It's, a, mm, num, num, it's num, not num, sexual, num. Greg. It's soft. I just like warmth on my penis. <laughs> it feels like... I've I promise it won't get hard. That would make it pedophilia. This is just giving you old dad a front back rub. It feels like I'm pissing a waterfall when you put your mouth up. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, everyone. I'm very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Isn't that weird that I'd only just realized this, that like Vern Gagne's... The guy who Vern Gagne would have inserted his entire fist in his fucking asshole, he would have been so happy that he came out. Uh, Brock Lesnar basically comes a wrestler when Vern Gagne just goes starts to go insane. All I'm saying is if for some reason the territory stuck around somehow, I mean it would never happen because of cable television, but if somehow the territory stuck around, Brock Lesnar just would have been Vern Gagne Jr. No. Like he would have actually... Been like, all right, Greg, it's part of the business. I'm gonna have to, you're gonna have to change your last name and you're no longer my son in any way. I don't love you, Greg. This new this new large man with a tattoo that just says fuck on his chest is my uh, son. I, I actually disagree with you. I don't think Vern Gagne would have liked Brock Lesnar because it would have been the first person that Vern couldn't confidently say he could beat in a fight. And he would He would yeah, he would be the first No, he would honestly think he would. Vern Gagne doesn't I honestly think he doesn't know. He doesn't. He would, you know, he just, if you're nuts, you're nuts. Anyway, continue. Sorry. What, what I, and what's interesting about, you look at Vern Gagne, you look at the only exception. Well, I look at Vern Gagne. I look at Vern Gagne all the time as well. I just think, my God. <laughs> That's the kind of guy who looks like he works out by not lifting weights, but by just being so critical of people for unnecessary reasons. Like he's just leaned up against a, a, a beige sedan in a grocery store. Hey, hey, hey. 11-year-olds, why aren't you talking to girls? Shouldn't be associating with each other. Bad. Um, or those guys who are like, old guys do this all the time, at least in, in my family, where it's like, 
my cousin uh, Tyler, like for a time, was like a competitive weightlifter, and then my uncle Bill would be like, "I don't understand why Tyler's doing that. I just put away the groceries. That's how I get my weight." Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, 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 yeah. Those four kids of chunky soup are really more than four hundred and fifty pounds bench press. This is very much a rural Canadian thing that I've gotten in sections of my family as well. Is that you're doing something, and they decide to tell you how they do a version of it, and therefore they're better than you. Yeah, I have a whole mess of cut. I have a whole mess of cousins that when I became a stand-up comedian went out of their way more than once to tell me how they don't know how that's a job because they're all funny at their office. One of them is not funny yeah, at yeah. their office, by the way. Sure he is. He just probably shows a picture of like a dead cat and goes, see, that's what I like. Let's put it this way. I know his, his personality is about as fun or, funny as a baby's diaper full of blood. So very funny. Oh, that is funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, also, Vern Gagne uh, had the largest uh, geographical territory in um, America. Also, as we're going through this list, bear in mind all way worse promoters. And I'm going to say this at the time because we're uh, we're bridging the gap between Vince covering up a murder and not covering up a murder. Pre covering up the murder, Vince is a much better human being than all the territory producers or promoters, rather. I'd say that covering up the murder makes him a wrestling promoter. Like, that's when his dad probably was like, you've got your wings. <laughs> you finally, did. you helped a woman die. Every time a wrestling promoter covers up a murder, a devil gets us another fork on its staff. Vince came home with the with the empty briefcase and then Vince Jr. and then he a light comes on and Vince Sr. is just sitting smoking in the room and he's like oh dad you caught me off guard yes I'm just so and he starts like crying and Vince is like I'm sorry you know what I did I can't believe it he's like I'm just so fucking proud and then he hugged him and that's when he said I love you I love you he just started screaming I love, I love you, you. that was when he actually said it Eddie, I love you <laughs> Let's go find someone who makes no money and make them pay. <laughs> uh, yeah, then Vince Sr. revealed that he uh, he had to keep a sledgehammer in the trunk of his car because every sort of two to three days, Bruno Sammartino would just hug someone to death and then boil the skin down in a, in a boiling ba vat of acid <laughs> and just give the skeleton uh, to Vince Sr. like a cat giving its owner a dead bird. This is, this is for you. I thought you wanted it. Ah, God damn it. I got to smash the bones <laughs> with a sledgehammer on the side of the fucking road, Bruno. <laughs> no crime, no body. Everyone knows that's the fucking rule, but Jesus fucking Christ, Bruno. I don't have fucking time to be smashing bones with a fucking sledge. Jesus fucking. Um, the NWA controlled 25 states, um, sharing a few of them yes with the awa the nwa maintained offices in japan korea australia and canada the wwf was the most lucrative uh, uh promotion we've covered a few times under both vince senior and vince jr that their finances were up and down up and down this is something that was shared across all of the territories they would all find a moment of uh hot promoting they would all plan their year so that when the nwa champion would come in that would help you make the year and also let's bear in mind a big reason why a lot of them were not profitable is because the promoter did not put money back into the business the promoter used it in a lot of yes. ways a way to make a fat fucking salary some of these guys were still using boxing rings st louis was famous that they used a boxing ring from the 50s as their ring every fucking day and it was taking years off of people's careers. 
Yes, and uh, this is the end of the episode, but it is interesting to note that basically Vince expands, whether it be just a, it's pro- it's obviously just a coincidence, but it's also timing, where Sam Mushnick completely steps down from the St. Louis territory, and everyone basically says, Sam, had it been 10 years earlier, blah, 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 Sam Mushnick would have given old Vinny a run for his fucking money, because he had a stable of pedophiles that would have made your goddamn ears bleed. Yeah, Vince, yeah. I disagree with that assertion completely because, again, it's coming from a place of Vince McMahon had one key advantage that's never discussed in this, which was he's in the major media market. They didn't have an NWA territory that was strong in Los Angeles. If they did, they could have made a run for the money. But again, they will. O- the WWF will always look more legitimate than anything else because they are based in New York City. And I understand that yes. the NWA at times had higher... Uh, higher grossing gates, better promotion, all that sort of stuff. It's the unfortunate idea that a lot of people perceive something coming from Greensboro as seeming more low rent than if it came from New York City. If you look at how a... Well, just by... Yeah, sorry. Just by area, they have a better arena. So, like, the arena you're in looks better. Absolutely. Look at how AEW is present. AEW is going into smaller arenas in big markets and purposely just not saying the name of the arena. They just go, we're from Chicago. We're from Las Vegas. And that's so clever. ACW used to do the same thing where they'd be an hour and a half away from fucking Pittsburgh and they're saying they're in Pittsburgh. And it just presents to the home audience an air of superiority. Um, And just having everything look different, like a lot of what uh AEW is doing that's cool is like they did a fucking show on the Jericho cruise so it's like it just looks different than WWE where it's like every single week seemingly you're in the same arena absolutely now the the whole sort of salvo of the takeover starts very fucking slowly as always. um of course uh, Frank, uh, Frank Tunney Jack Tunney's uncle was running things in Toronto was a member of the NWA and maintained a very solid relationship with Vince McMahon Senior. Toronto has always been one of the hottest. Mar- Canada in general has always been one of the hardest markets for the WWF. Um, so basically, they buy the Toronto territory, and Toronto was. It was very interesting because it's such a smart move to first go to Toronto because it's basically first thing it is is uh, it's one of the ma- it's one of the territories that books the big three, which from the big three, sorry, which is. WWF, NWA, and AWA. So we book all three. And the second reason it's really smart is because no one in America really pays attention to Canadian things. So they're like, yeah, I guess he took Toronto. That's weird, but whatever. I guarantee they didn't. it wouldn't have caused as much of a stir as if, let's say, he bought out St. Louis or Houston first. Obviously, Houston would have been stupid because he's so far away, um, but... St. Louis would have been, a, I guess, the closest one you could say, but it's 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 it basically it's a it's a first move that no one really cares about. Absolutely, it's also a very interesting flank geographically because for routing purposes, even if you don't have territories across uh, the northern part of the United States, you literally just go across the border and you can run the board geographically for when you're touring and especially as he goes into the circuits of those a shows and those b shows in the later 80s that's hugely to his advantage this is a a smart move in a variety of ways and also incredibly lucrative to this day in that the tunney family i like was involved in the wwf and wwe up until what 
the late 90s, early 2000s, no other territory had this good of a relationship with Vince McMahon up until this point. And Stampede Wrestling could have fucking learned from them if it wasn't for fucking Bruce being such a fucking idiot and fucking up his dad's fucking retirement. Um, so Stampede was also weird because Vince basically paid them and was like, I'll give all of your relatives a job. And then he did. And then Stu immediately started Stampede Wrestling again. Yeah, no, but it wasn't Stu. At first, it was fu- it was fucking Bruce who did it. Okay. It was Bruce, and then Stu. Was, well, I, well, I better fucking help Bruce because right now all he's doing is uh, promoting him shitting in the middle of the ring, yelling, "This is Brett's face." So this isn't really widely reported, but this is absolutely true. The WWF and Georgia Championship Wrestling both had shows on cable that spread outside their territories. And this was several years before Vince Jr. took over. So, like, start... Part of the job's already being done for yeah. him. Sorry. Also, he's not the first person to attempt to go national. WCCW tried to do it um, by expanding nationally, leaving the NWA and changing their title and putting it on Rick Rude. There was major concerns Bill Watts was going to do it, hence him changing the name of his territory to the UWF, Universal Wrestling Federation. Um, and so the idea that Vince is like, he broke all these territory rules, that is very much losers rewriting history. The or, two massive fat sociopaths already attempted it. They just were unable to do it because one couldn't stop yelling racial epithets out of his car window, um, enough to focus on the business. And the other one was too busy psychologically breaking his sons to really keep his eye on the fucking ball. <laughs> and also neither one of them invested money back in the business this is the again the main thing about Vince McMahon he expands into Toronto so then what does he do he uses that money to then buy satellite trucks and TV trucks to improve um, his ability to shoot shows on the road and also to make the signal and the show more presentable so this goes to your point but uh, Watts and Barnett Jim Barnett ran an angle where the audience had to write in about the judge's decision to a match just to work out where their G- GCW broadcast, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling, was most popular outside their territory, and they looked at expanding into Ohio. They ended up putting on shows in Columbus, Ohio, to a great response, and this was like a first trial expansion. So there's people aiming to do the same thing. It's just that like somehow Vince McMahon has less skeletons than them. Somehow. Do you know how fucking it, how much of an indictment that is? Yeah, you can't get anyone on your side. You're, you're, uh, it's Jim Barnett and Bill Watts. Bill Watts, who publicly says racist things. He's like, well, I, they're not as good as yeah. us. That's in the Bible. I wrote it in in one of the blank pages they put in the back, so it's in the Bible. It's not about being racist. It's just about that they're weak of spirit and body. <laughs> I fucking hate Bill Watts. I hate that so many people that have been so important to the thing I love are his prodigy. I fucking hate Bill Watts. I hate his racist fucking bullshit. I hate his fucking bully fucking attitude. I hate that he fucking thinks that he was at all significant. He's not even remembered by the modern wrestling. He's remembered as being the commentator we used to like before he sounds tired on Dynamite's mentor. Fuck you, Bill Watts. Fuck you in your fucking neck. You're such a fucking loot. You came up with nothing. You were not. The only reason the the Freebirds were an excellent fucking tag team, and your idea was, I'm going to put those three drunks together. Everyone would have done that. Yeah. And also, for harboring Grizzly Smith, every. Like, fuck you. 
I had no idea. I had no idea Grizzly was dating his dog. Although a lot of people, a lot of people harbored Grizzly Smith. Like that's a Tony Schiavone, who everyone loves now as, and it's been coined. He's wrestling's Bob Saget because he's got a dirty mouth, but he was like a nice boy from our childhood. Hung out with Grizzly Smith. Like they're all complicit in this. Arn Anderson, who everyone loves. Hung out with Grizzly Smith and just watched Ric Flair, like, try to put his dick in a stewardess's mouth while he was like, it's a joke. It's just a prank. <laughs> That's a great point, and as it really does bum me out, I gotta tell you, I do love Honor Anderson. Go ahead. Go ahead, Dylan. If they applied a Me Too to wrestling, the only match would be Barry Horowitz versus Chris Candido. That's the only matches we could yeah, watch. Yeah, if they meet, if, when Me Too hits wrestling in about four years... Um, it's just going to be AJ Styles walking around a ring whistling. No, I mean, if you apply liberal ideals, AJ Styles will have nothing to do with it because he'll just be like, oh, I didn't me to anybody. But if you've ever even held hands with a man in earnest, you should be shot. And here is a list of the men I have shot for this to crime. To be clear, I am not a homophobe. I am a thing that hasn't actually been defined when it comes to my hatred of those individuals. <laughs> homophobe is too liberal for my yeah. tastes. First of all, French word. I don't. The phenomenal one does not speak French. <laughs> I call them freedom fries still. <laughs> yeah. GWB is still my president. Mm -hmm. I have not voted since they elected that man from Chicago. Men quotation marks, Chicago quotation marks. I, I don't believe in Chicago. That's how fucking smart I am. So so here is here's what it is. Vince Jr.'s first move appears to be he reclaims Buffalo as part of the New York Territory because, baby, you need those you need those Buffalo Bills fans. You need just a bunch of sad people who are like, vegetable, that's right, Ruffles Chips. It's a potato. Potato's a vegetable. That counts. All right, everyone, let's go to a fire near a sporting event and pretend that that's the love of our father. Hey, uh, we got a we got a fam uh, family we got a camera crew here at this fire that no one's trying to stop because the uh, why why would we stop it? It makes it better. At least we can put something new there. Buffalo news. As the expansion headed into Canada and Buffalo, also the Detroit territory finally fell because Ed Farhat, um, who was also a huge significant draw yeah. in <laughs> Canada, uh, just continued to always not pay anyone and be a terrible booker. Um, thank fuck the Sheik trained Sabu or he would have no legacy whatsoever. Like he, again, and the Sheik I will love forever because he kept kayfabe inside the house like an absolute fucking maniac. You do love people who traumatize their family. Oh, I do enjoy. Yeah, but apparently like if you even watch Sabu talk about it, like his family was like this fucking tool bag. Like, yeah, yeah, okay, Bobo goes over there. Like who gives a fuck? And I love that his like his uh, next of kin, the guy who took over his gimmick and improved on it, Sabu, couldn't even like keep, like he was ended up being billed as from Bombay, Michigan, because he would so his gimmick was that he didn't talk, but in the ring he'd be like, "No reversal, fuck." <laughs> like, <he was> <laughs> There's so many, there's so many ECW where it's like uh, Joey Styles being like, he's a mysterious man from Bombay, India. And then you hear him, no, man, set the fucking table up. Shit. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's so funny. <laughs> no one's actually heard Sabu speak. Hey, man, can you get me a fucking bottle of water before I fuck up Steve Carino, bud? 
My my one of my favorite things was Sabu. That uh, was like at some shitty indie show in like a Jewish community oh, center, yeah, and I was like the language fourteen, and Sabu set this guy on the table, and the table wasn't really well made, so it just kind of <laughs> went back and mm-hmm. forth, and broke, mm-hmm. like. Uh, it didn't break in the middle so that he would have like went in which would have been funnier it just kind of like went side to side and then slowly fell over and then Sabu went you fat fucking asshole and the whole place just laughed so hard he put his hands on his hips and he's like you fat fucking asshole supposed to- <laughs> man never speaks it's the most ECW thing I've ever heard in my entire life what happened during the Sabu match you fat yeah he he body shamed and swore to a man Five stars! <laughs> I fucking... You just know that this indie worker was like, my big chance. Sabu's like, you fat fucking loser. So, the WWF takes Buffalo. Um, JCP had run a couple shows in Buffalo, but fucking... Who gives a shit, right? It's Buffalo. So basically, they've made two who gives a fucking shit moves. Because their WWF's already broadcast in Toronto. Like, Toronto's always been a WWF territory. We locally... In Canada, just got the WWF feed in 1993 and didn't get any WCW until about 1996. No, like. uh, and I remember it was when, when Hogan went to WCW is when we started getting the, the yes, feed. Yes, yes. So it was 19, 1994. Because I remember the first wrestling pay-per-view I ever got was Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair with the career on the line. Because I was like, holy shit. It's fucking the stakes. It's over. He's fucking done. And he, of course, didn't win. He did win. Hulk Hogan did win. And then the masked man was revealed to be uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake. And I know everyone shits on that angle. But for me, at the age of nine or ten, I lost my fucking mind. Like, it was just like, what <laughs> the fuck? Yeah. And Vader was so scary. Go ahead. Oh, Vader. Vader was a guy you heard about as a kid. I, that's it'll never be like that again. Where it's like you just hear about someone. Access is uh, access to all entertainment is both amazing and bad at the same time. Where it's like, oh, I, you, obviously you can see someone and really get into their career, and they can promote themselves really well that way independently. But also like we just heard about Vader and his move, and he was like, sounds weird, but it's like. WWF had Yokozuna, which was cool, but then you're like, oh, this guy's like the same size as Yokozuna, but he can do flips. This is fucking insane. And just like how much more serious Vader looked than Yokozuna, where it's like Yokozuna's like a Samoan guy playing a Japanese man, where it's like Vader is like, oh, this guy is like in a muzzle because if he if they take the muzzle off, he'll probably bite them. You know what I mean? He looked like this big fucking scary Dober. Yeah, it was also the thing with Vader was he was the first opponent for someone like hulk hogan especially when i was a kid where hulk hogan was essentially just a super was superman where you're just look at vader and you're like well that guy's gonna fucking kill the hulkster like they're like uh, like yeah, under yeah. the giant moved in a way where you're like whatever you watch fucking vader and you're like that guy's really fast and is the size of a car yeah now we wouldn't have gotten to that situation without uh, Vince's next move, which was the purchase of the Los Angeles territory. Oh, yeah. Relying on a relationship uh, that his father had built with promoter Mike LaBelle. Um, essentially, Los Angeles had been floundering since the mid-70s when he lost his English-speaking TV deal, although he retained his Spanish-speaking one. And he mainly just let the um, entire territory go to pot, allowing outside booking as an experiment to come in to save money. And Vince acquired it 
relatively cheaply at a l- dude. That's this is an insane price. Half a million dollars paid out like fucking cash for life. Two thousand dollars a week for ten years. That's a fucking deal. It's man. fucking brilliant. It's like Mike LaBelle knew he was a blow addict. He's like, only two two grand a week. I can't have that yeah, all at once. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'll be dead and I'll be dead. I'll in be three able. Days. To, I'll spend. I'll spend five hundred on a fist to blow. My dick will get small and I'll be fine for ten days. Two four days. <laughs> ten days of fun for Mikey. I got a boat and that's where I live. I don't need a bed. I shit and piss and sleep standing up. Um, <laughs> Also, and he does what he always does, which is what every uh, business does when you buy and buy out a competition. He gives Mike LaBelle a cushy salary on top of paying him out, and gives him a uh, job as the WWF representative in Southern California, like, which means that, mean? uh, that means just take some money, sit on your fucking yeah. ass, so you're basically tell everyone else why don't you just sell? It's gonna happen anyway. It's all inevitable. Again. Blah blah blah. Sell events. Sell events. Sick. Vince Jr. had nothing to do with Vince Jr.'s expansion. Bullshit. You can see he goes for his friend. He goes for the people that his dad had relationships with that were yeah, smart. In not in, fina- in financial trouble. I, they were in financial trouble. His dad definitely would have known that. Would probably have been like Vinny. Here's the price they'll probably accept. Here's how you do it. Mike LaBelle, big time blow addict. If you dole the money out slowly over ten years, by year nine he'll be nearly dead. <laughs> you save yourself some money that last year. By the way, we've done no research on Mike LaBelle. We don't know he's a cocaine addict. I have addict, a lot but of research be... on Mike LaBelle. He is. <laughs> okay. I'm in LA yeah. right now. He's who I buy. I don't even buy cocaine from him. He's who I just buy my things with because he steals because he's at the bottom of his addiction now. <laughs> as soon as you start living in LA, like you have a fixed address, Mike LaBelle goes, hey, do you have blow? <laughs> you just get a text from this old yeah, man. Do you have blow? Can I stay at your house? Can I take a bath at your house? Yeah, can I do coke in a bathtub full naked at your house while I piss in the bathtub, fill it up with piss, keep doing the blow? Anyway, Michael Bell here. All right, but this is, uh, I, all right, we're going to take a break uh, and come back, but I do believe that this is all Linda. I don't know. It seems to be like, knowing what we know about Vince McMahon previously, Vince McMahon just came in to his dad's room with a with a gun with two bullets. He's like, one for you, one for me, daddy. I'm going to buy the moon. <laughs> and, then, and then Linda was like, why don't you build on previous relationships your father had and build into wrestling? He's like, or that whore. And then Fine. he gave her the gun and she shot his dad. <laughs> Now that he's out of the way, we can really have fun. All right, sugar, now it's time to fuck on your dad's corpse, as I've always wanted to do. Okay, cool. Now, Stephanie, you know the deal when we kill somebody. Yes, shoot mommy and daddy in the leg so it looks like a burglary. Exactly, Mm. sweetie. Now just awkwardly kiss both of us on the lips, like some families do that always... (laughs) 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 All right, so then, on that note... We're going to take a break and be back. Bye-bye. I'm so sorry. Hey, Dylan. Have you ever thought about giving us money because we fucking do a good fucking job for these fucking ungrateful fans? They're all pieces of shit. Every fucking week, we take time to research this show, then forget most of it and talk about who would like to come on. Yeah. And by, I think that deserves money. And by we, we mean a guy we've met a few times, and he needs money because I keep promising to pay him, but then I say, no, haven't earned it. Why? <laughs> yeah. I spend the money on candy and hummus. 
separately. I, I don't I don't dip the candy in hummus. That would be a Old taste. Snickers to bar say. hummus. Hastings over here needs money. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review or rate and subscribe on iTunes or do both. And here's another one. Fucking shut the fuck up, buddy. Yeah. Right now are you talking? Are you talking? Are you talking to me? Where are you listening on? Were you doing dishes? Turn fucking turn break all your dishes, you fucking bitch. Yeah. <laughs> shut your cock washer and use your fucking dick grabbers. To give us some fucking money. Vince didn't do the expansion. It was in the cards and he took advantage. And then all the territories. They ate cigars and were terrible people. Vince didn't start the expansion. Yes. It was blamed by his daddy as revenge for his other friends. They were treacherous assholes. Linda's kink is fucking on dead bodies. Oh, the... Hey, the McMahons live on the street. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. Yeah, that was John's new song he does. Yeah. Original melody. Everyone, stop. Everyone, stop what you're doing. Clap for John. John's new song. Dylan, Dylan, Dylan just gave me the highest type of got clap, which was he just clapped his testicles against his thighs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just did my old pendulum nuts thing. Do you know this, John? Did you know that Vince McMahon then bought the time slot? We should have <laughs> noted where we were in the research because this would have completed everything. Bought the time slot uh, from Mr. LaBelle. January 1st, 1983, the TV show started airing. Championship Wrestling started at 9.30 a.m. in SoCal, baby. That was 2500 a week. Vince has fucking money to burn, baby. Or, yeah, or he's entering into crippling debt and hope this all works out. Then, of course, there is the absolutely lovely um, Jim Barnett is forced out of the Jordan Championship Wrestling territory by Ole Anderson in a brutal takeover. Ole Anderson is a dumb fuck and doesn't realize that other majority stake owners, including the Briscoe brothers, do not want anything to do with him. Now, here's essentially what happened. Jim Barnett is in Hong Kong getting his new suits fitted. I'm not even making that up. And <laughs> Ole does a hostile takeover of the office to become the head of the territory. Ole's a piece of shit human being. The Briscoes fucking hate him and don't want that. Jim Barnett goes, you fucked me? I'm going to fuck you. He calls Vince Jr. and goes, hey, I know who you need to talk to to get the money to get this territory. Now, here's how much of a piece yes. of shit Ole Anderson is. Everyone realizes that it was Oli's fault this happened, that Oli should not have done this. Oli was just looking out for his fucking self. If he hadn't done it and left Barnett alone, he probably would. Vince McMahon would not have gotten the seed money for WrestleMania. This is literally the event that leads to Vince McMahon having an extra million dollars to put on WrestleMania because. The Briscoe brothers sell off their stake in Georgia Championship Wrestling. Vince McMahon becomes the majority owner. Tells Ole to fucking suck cocks and fuck off. Uh, and then Ole probably <laughs> just ate gasoline and was a terrible person. And he puts on the WWF yeah. product on uh, the TBS Superstation with Ted Turner. Uh, what is, of course, referred to as Black Saturday. And this is where the territory expansion really fucking catches fire because now other territories particularly within the nwa realize he is a viable threat and he is taking over fucking territories and you know what all of this is at the fault of ole anderson all of this relies on the fact that he was a fucking greedy asshole 
just didn't like Jim Barnett probably because Jim Barnett is a gay man and Oli doesn't even believe in having sex with women because that shows weakness. Um, <laughs> and Vince then was able to run the board. The product was not well received by the Southern Wrestling fans. That's not what they wanted. So Jimmy Crockett ended up saying, I will buy it off of Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon, who bought it for less than a million dollars, ended up selling the TV time back to Jimmy Crockett for a million bucks, and that money was used as a seed money for WrestleMania. I've, I don't know if you guys have heard WrestleMania, but it's a pretty important event. Yes, and this is happening all over because a lot of territories are starting to crumble because... This is also, this is weird because I just started listening to other stuff about this, but this is also, I think, something that uh, bears is every territory does bloody fucking wrestling. You get color on TV. There's legitimate stabbings. (laughs) There's chair. You know what I mean? Like ECW doing the fight all over the arena, smoke each other with a chair thing like the kind of the element of ECW they took from Japan was the barbed wire and the fire and shit, but all this other stuff was just seventies wrestling that Paul Heyman was exposed to as a kid. Exactly. What I'm saying is the religious right is taking hold. Yes. It's Memphis wrestling down the East coast. I'm sorry to interrupt. That was rude of me. Continue Dylan. I'm sorry. So the religious right starting to take hold and they don't want two people stabbing each other on at 10 AM. <laughs> like So, Vince's vision of what wrestling would be, which is clean and cartoony, is much more in line with what people want on television in the 80s. So, like, a lot of these territories are running into problems because not only they're paying for TV, but people don't want to take their fucking kids to see Larry stab Steve. Yeah. Well, I do. Like, it's very it's very cut and dry. Also, this is... brand Brands are becoming very, very important. And... You need a brand attached to everything. Yeah, It's also a time where pay, television stations can make money by being paid for advertisers, hence infomercials. Now, this isn't often discussed, but essentially the Vince, uh, Vince McMahon syndication deal, I'll try to make this as quick as possible without sounding boring, was essentially a glorified infomercial. All the other wrestling promoters were, were being paid or were given the TV time and there was a split in ads, while Vince was willing to pay for the time. As if, in the same way that it's a essentially a glorified infomercial. It looks like a television program, but he is selling his company, his products, on the show. Much like how in Canada, there's a late night talk show called The Being Frank Show, which is literally oh, yeah. an infomercial for a maniac named Frank D'Angelo, <laughs> yeah. who has a band and a food company and is a piece of shit. If you want to really have a lot of fun, go to the beingfrankshow.ca, watch old episodes. It is amazing. You can watch one that I'm featured in from 2012 where I switch clothes somehow twice in the show. It's almost as if I kept trading clothes with other comedians so that they couldn't edit it properly and it looked insane. Uh, also, um, my, yeah, my yeah. couch segment is very much clipped because at one point Frank D'Angelo said, Lisa Lampanelli's not funny and she's got a giant body like a sofa. And I said, why would you attack her? She seems like a really nice person. Like, you shouldn't attack other comedians in front of comedians. What do you know about comedy? And he was just like, wait, what, are you trying to roast me? And then it's fucking weird. So essentially my interview is John Hastings it's fantastic. and then I'm wearing a different shirt and then and then, and then I leave. Yeah, he's a he's a weird man. Yeah. 
and he cuts off. <laughs> there's another one where he cuts off our friend Ryan Horwood halfway through. He's like, "All right, fuck this guy. I don't know." <laughs> He's Frank D'Angelo. Yeah. Very. It it's basically the 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 the, show, the talk show from the movie Casino, <laughs> um, but in real life. Um. So Fritz von Erich. This is actually very important. Fritz von Erich gets money from the Christian Broadcasting Network. And he changes his name from Big Time Wrestling to World Class Championship Wrestling because the Christian Broadcasting Network, baby, they put a lot of fucking money into WCCW, which makes it somehow more right-wing and puritanical than WWF is just by being a blonde-haired white guy beating up people from various islands. For example, (laughs) one of the main places they syndicated their product into was Israel. Um, Using that as... Yes, that's true. You know that they were inserting some sort of weird fucking scary zionist message into that yeah in one corner michael hayes and in the other corner the idea that palestine could be an independent nation oh my god michael hayes has destroyed it (laughs) so there's a bunch of them like uh dick murdoch and blackjack mulligan um imagine dick murdoch meeting with the christian fucking network um, Mr. Isn't that fucking Mr. insane? Mr. Murdoch, we'd like to give you some money um, from our collection plate. Plate, plate for cocaine, no black people, though. <laughs> I've been chewing young girl pubes for the last five years. Yum, 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 I yum, hope yum, you yum. guys ain't Catholic, because they fuck young boys, and I don't go in for that. I fuck old men. Yeah, I mean, Jerry, I like a nice silver fox with broken hind quarters. Broken down by, <laughs> broken down my life, and now broken down by Dick Murdoch. <laughs> <laughs> if you take a shit, you gotta jack off on it. That's how you put the fire out. Anyway, I'd like to buy your whatever land. Is this land I'm buying? When I'm done with a fuck, I want my cock to smell like prune juice and stool softeners. There you go. <laughs> when I'm done with a fuck. Oh, there we go. Uh, so wait, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which is run... Basically, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, which had been run by Mike London for close to 30 oh, years. Uh, and he... Yeah, retired... He just, like, retired, and then there was no wrestling there. <laughs> <laughs> so there's, like, a lot of... I ain't going to bed. Wrestling these territories over. are just in a... Vince took over at a very opportune time because it's the, in the early 80s, as I said, brands are becoming more important, and no one wants to go to the hillbilly thing yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's also... Because, again, it's also... They've been abused... They've been abusing their power that there was no real competition and they were protected by the NWA in a lot of cases. And a lot of these guys are getting older. It's almost as if Vince and his dad had conversations about when to do this. It's almost as if it was planned. Yeah. The All right. So basically, there's four companies trying to expand. WWF, Georgia Championship Wrestling, Southern Championship Wrestling, which we talked about last week, where they got a really good time slot, but then Tully wouldn't stop dabbing people. And world class, which is like so. Basically, it's WWF by wrestling standards is the most liberal hippie thing in the world. Georgia Championship Wrestling. Ole Anderson, he doesn't have a card that says he's in the clan, but he loves the clan. Southern Championship Wrestling. Uh, Joe Blanchard stabbings at noon, and world class, which is we are the chosen race, and God is white. Yeah, God is God is white and speaks English. Like he doesn't. Like, was Jesus Jewish? No. Determined to kill his children. 
trying to kill his children, yeah. but not. He doesn't want the blood to be on his hands, so he's just creating a life for them where they ha- they have no resort but to take their own life. Fritz thought he was God. All of his kids were Jesus. He didn't have enough lumber to crucify them, so he went. I need that lumber for the barn. I will torture them in other ways. They will die for my sins, and then I can go on being an evil piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. January 1st, 1982, this is when Sam Mushnick retires, and he was already retired, of course, from being the head of the NWA. Um, so now it's like the, gu- the guy who's, who came up with the NWA, the guy who everyone can rely on for advice is now no longer accessible. Also so what it is, it, is that this is also becomes the devaluation of the NWA championship a little bit in that in the time before Sam Muchnick, there was a lot more of the champion pinning the local hero clean. The championship was protected a lot more because Sam Muchnick essentially had, he had goons like he had Harley Race. He had other things to do. Bob Geigel was not nearly as powerful, not nearly as willing to fucking tell the, the promoters to motherfuck themselves. So that meant that Ric Flair, who was the champion cha- champion throughout this period, had to do a lot of Broadways or uh, a lot of screwy finishes, a lot of dusty finishes. So the champion never looked as strong as, say, Hulk Hogan, who becomes the champion within a couple of years of Bob Geigel's third term in 1982. And the comparison there is Ric Flair's the champion in the 80s in the NWA. He's... Big and stealing wins or squeaking it out through a Broadway. Hulk Hogan is leg dropping the shit out of people within 20 minutes and then fucking posing for a long time. Who do you think is more impressive? And it's the and it's the division. This starts the division in wrestling that I still 100% exists to this day. If you listen to uh, as we mentioned talked about earlier, Mr. Jim Cornette, which is the NWA is taking the seat of this is a fight, and WWF is taking the position of this is this is fun. What's fun? Uh, a guy who's brightly colored beating up someone who's rude and doing it quickly, or two people bleeding for an hour and 19 false finishes, and then the bad guy wins. Do you know what I mean? So Harley Race gets a stock in St. Louis, and that's an enormous boost to the territory. Bob Geigel is elected for his third term as NWA president in 1982. He also helps run the St. Louis territory with Pat O'Connor and Vern Gagne. Um, JCP, Jim Cockett Promotions, has an amazing roster at this time. They got Ric Flair, Dusty Rhodes, Roddy Piper, Rick Steamboat, Greg Valentine, and Paul Jones, just for a couple people. They have such a good fucking roster, and then they don't have anyone on contracts because that's not a thing, so Vince just takes them. (laughs) Who could forget the angle when Paul Jones surprised the world and joined the WWF? (laughs) Paul Jones is the guy who you watch wrestling in the 80s who no one has talked about. And you're like, who the fuck is this guy? But he managed everyone that lost. <laughs> Paul Jones was essentially just a friend of Jim Crockett's dad. That's what he was. He was he was a I really, really like the old eighties thing about a managers where it's like, ah, I'm uh what's this guy's character? I'm a what what? Okay, garbage eating loser. <laughs> what's great about Ah, uh, he doesn't eat the lot of guy eats all the garbage. Look at all those used tampons he eats. <laughs> I've never looked I've never looked this up, but supposedly Paul Jones had a gimmick that it was he was a general, and over the span of like a couple of months he had a mustache and he slowly shaved it into a Hitler until they were like, absolutely not Paul, and then he's clean shaven. 
Oh, this was shown. Oh my God, what territory was this? But it was like a prestige territory, and um, the bad guy on top had been—they were just Nazis for the longest time. And then the Nazis were the top heels for so long. Everyone was like, "Well, you got to give it up for the Nazis." <laughs> it was like Fritz von Erich style, yeah. where it's like, "We got to turn the Nazis' face, man. The Nazis, uh, everyone loves them." <laughs> so funny. I don't know how to say this, but pedophile Rick—he's been on top. As a heel for 19 years, he, it, pedophilia's got to have to become good in Memphis. <laughs> uh, also, another significant uh, NWA board member, Ron Fuller, who was running the Knoxville promotion, um, then acquired the Gulf Coast Territory from Lee Fields in 1978. Nick Goulas and Jerry Jarrett were essentially having their high-profile territory war throughout Tennessee that Jerry Jarrett eventually won with Jerry Lawler's help. And, uh, oh boy, has the world been worse for that. The AWA... Jerry, Jerry Jarrett came up with the novel approach of no one gets paid except for me. Ha ha. Fuck off. Here's my son. He's a loser. Ha 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 ha. I'm a piece of shit. Ha 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 ha. I don't even like my son. Roshire folded his territory in San Francisco. Vern expanded the AWA into San Francisco to cover up for that. Don Owen continued to just stick in his backyard, running the Pacific Northwest and was essentially protected from Vince McMahon by Roddy Piper, who refused to ever work in Portland in opposition to Don Owen. Great. And that's that's absolutely true. Roddy Piper never didn't do that until, like, the 90s when Don Owen uh, sold the territory, passed off. Yeah, and then, of course, we all know that there's also Stampede Wrestling in Calgary and on the west coast of the United States, which Vince eventually buys for a lot of money, and then they don't end up getting the money because... Uh, Stu and Bruce start the territory back up again. Now, they claim this is because of <coughs> non-payment by Vince. And Vince, of course, claims like, you don't just get all the money in a bag, you fucking assholes. Yes. They wanted it now. Also, I, I, I uh, sorry, I was just thinking about this. For sure, We, as we talked about, um, they deregulated the banks so you could just get a bunch of loans. And 100%, that's how Vince did this. Obviously, we've talked about that before, but which I mean... Roy Shire, such as like this example, Roy Shire's territory folds in January 24th, 1981. There's a lot of stuff that Vince does and just lucks into, such as uh, Albuquerque just closing. Salt Lake, Salt Lake City just not having a wrestling promotion really ever. So yeah, this happens because Vince borrows a bunch of money at a time where everyone needs a bunch of money because as we talked about, the early 80s was a huge fucking economic crisis. Yes, it was the repeal of something called Glass-Steagall, I believe, that allowed banks to publicly trade debt and investment as if they were stocks, which led to a lot of people being more money. And which led to the 2008 financial crisis, which no one who likes Ronald Reagan will... Uh, this is why This is why we goddamn need a dictator. Anyway, um, Don Owen, of course, continues to run the... <laughs> you get it? No, but like, did you get my joke? To get po to get political, Ooh. yeah, yeah, we need a potato that has a huge cock. Nice, you can use that. I might believe that one just because of bad content. <laughs> Don Owen continues, of course, to run the Pacific Northwest. Uh, St. Louis is abandoned, like the Old West. Vancouver, 
uh, had been stabilized as an NWA affiliate. This, of course, was the territory that um, Buddy Jack Roberts started off in, where he drove drunk from Tennessee to Vancouver one night. And as he passed the border, the border guard said, Woo, you look drunk. You better drive fast. Because <laughs> the 70s fucking ruled. Um, and Montreal, which is so weird because Montreal, basically you just need a French person. It doesn't matter what the brand is. It's just like, have a French guy beat us up. So the, very much the Rougeaus still control Montreal and very much the Rougeaus just by proximity are closest to the WWF. Depending on the weather, depending on the weather, you can watch one of the Rougeau brothers try and wrestle people at his used car lot. Yeah. A lot of why the WWF is successful is just proximity to large population density. Um, yes, and also making right alliances and right relationships by accident. Like in Hawaii, Peter Maivia, um took over the tor- territory with his wife, Leah. Now, they were an NWA stronghold for a good portion of the 80s, but also Rocky was working with, um, was working in the WWF and was married to Leah's daughter. So it's one of those things where it's sort of both sides. Yes, um... Uh, they were in NWA territory, but they had good relationships with Vince because Rocky Johnson was, pre-Hulkamania, a really big star for Vince. So there was probably a like, all right, we don't shit on each other's fucking situations and we'll be fine. But just as we talked about... Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say, just as we had talked about in the Vince McMahon Sr. episode where he's like, hey, I got a fucking idea. Let's do wrestling in the most populous city in America. Their main... Their main um, competition against the WWF and their expansion is soon to be in Atlanta rather than make it in the other media capital, just move to Los Angeles. It'll be more expensive, but just by virtue of being in Los Angeles, you have so many advantages just by proximity to media. You're right and you're wrong, but their main competition doesn't end up being Atlanta for another... From the start of the territory expansion, it doesn't end up until 1989-1990 is when it, WCW forms and moves to Atlanta. Oh, no, I don't mean that. I mean, Jim Crockett, their main offices were in Atlanta. No, it wasn't. No? Jim Crockett's main offices weren't in Atlanta until the UWF buy in 1987-1988. So there's, there's a full okay. five All years right. when their main offices are literally a convenience store in Charlotte. Yeah, so this is the other thing where it's like Vince understands making yourself seem successful, like kind of like they think, therefore yeah. I am. Yeah, exactly. And um, they don't. The NWA still is scattered. Like by the time WrestleMania succeeds, it's mostly over. And by the time Jim Crockett buys UWF, which by the way was a shit deal, which I'm sure we'll get into. By the time Jim Crockett does that and now is an official threat or like an official opposition to the WWF, it's all over. Because WrestleMania 3 was the end of everything. WrestleMania 3 is the first show where they actually tape it for television. It's not just like a couple cameras in a smoky arena. Like it's actually, like like I said before, Dick Ebersol changes professional wrestling just as much as Vince McMahon does because Dick Ebersol goes, here's how you make this more television friendly and Vince McMahon takes all of those ideas. When Vince McMahon is forced to listen to somebody, he is truly brilliant. When he thinks he has all the answers, very frustrating. Yeah, it's 
Again, he's good as a promoter. He shouldn't do anything else. Dylan, best thing about the territorial yeah. expansion for Vince McMahon. I mean, oh, best thing about this area in the territory expansion? I mean, honestly, uh, aside from just... To take it more meta, I really like this. Uh, this is a very fascinating... It, this is the most fascinating era in wrestling history to me because there's so many moving parts. Like, it's thought of as Vince McMahon, this being his true genius-making era, but much like anything else, it's a lot of dumb luck and a lot of genius. Like like you said, he's building on his father's relationships, and he's also just putting wrestling in places where they just didn't have wrestling for a while and no promoter wanted to expand there because of the risk associated. But Vince McMahon has already taken out loans to the tune of I'll be dead if this doesn't work out. So fuck it. Why not expand to Salt Lake City and why not start wrestling in fucking uh, San Fran and all that shit? Um, I just learning about I mean, just learning about it is great. What's your what's your favorite thing? I, I just love the absolute dumb luck of this is one of the few times where vince does everything right and the territories do everything wrong in perfect synchronicity i just love the absolute luck of exactly. it. exactly it's so fucking yeah the worst thing about it is uh ole anderson oh, firing jim Barnett. like great. that's you've literally been like okay the television division of of this company is fucked now like this guy was the reason that wrestling got on the Dumont network in the 50s. He knows everyone. Every, he's ch Everyone is charmed by this he's man. He's notoriously untrustworthy, and I'm going to go piss him off. It's fucking awesome. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. And then Jim Barnett hands Vince Jr. the keys to the fucking kingdom and says, here's how exactly how you do it. Because like you said, Vince starts paying for television just to get all his shit out there and working as an infomercial because... These guys have never put money into something like Vince McMahon Jr. has either. Like, Vince McMahon Jr. has already taken a bunch of risks, and they haven't paid off. And that experience has left him with the knowledge that, oh, if I lose everything, I'm still standing here. I'll just work in a rock quarry again and try it again. Say it again, that Vince was the first person to put money into the territories, but that's what he did. He's the first person to put money into the territories. Massive risk. No one expanded. Everyone was like, okay, I got St. Louis from the last guy to do St. Louis. I'm, And for sure. I mean, that's a... He's the only guy who was a psycho. Uh, in a world of psychos, he was the most psycho. Because he wanted to me become a billionaire. A millionaire at this point. Because there were really no billionaires uh, off of professional wrestling. You want to be a millionaire off professional wrestling and everyone else was just fine having a nice house. Which I understand the nice house people more than the billionaire people, but the billionaire people are coming for your shit. If you have a bit of money and things are working out for you, there's a guy like Vince McMahon right around the corner <laughs> trying to take all of your fucking shit and couch it as you were lazy or you were this or you were that. But he's just a fucking shark, man. And all these other guys, all these other guys, some of them were sharks, but they're too fucking hard-headed. Whereas Vince is either, if, even if he's not okay with taking criticism he won't be like bill watts or Ollie anderson and call you like gay and tell you that you're against god because you don't like them vince will just be like ha ha okay pal and then just like have your family yeah, killed. here's the thing is the if you think about it in mafia terms watts and the territories they were low-level street gangs vince was the mafia oh all right pal and then suddenly your business is gone and you're still alive and nothing has been done to you that you can actually retaliate against yeah he's uh 
he corporatized wrestling. And this is the first part of corporatizing wrestling where it's like, oh, this guy who took a fucking one class at a small college on business now has been fucking put into this industry that legitimately generates millions of dollars a year, but he's just going to consolidate um, it. Worst thing about Vince McMahon, Dylan, go ahead. During the territory era? I mean, we've g- kind of covered the time period of Vince McMahon during this era. I No, I already said uh, the worst thing is Ole Anderson fucking uh, giving old Barnett the boot. What's your worst thing? That was an expansion of the discussion. Uh, my worst thing is um, Vince McMahon taking power. As much that he is the better businessman, he's still a terrible human being who probably was saying a lot of rude things to ladies at the time. And I don't go in for that sort of chat. That's true. Oh, also, one thing we missed uh, was... Vancouver was an NWA affiliate, um, but it was sold to, um, over the two decades, it had links to Don Owens and Stu Hart. So that Stu Hart link, the Stu Hart link and the Don Owens link help Vince sneak in there. Anyway, um, that's it now. John, promote your shows. Go see me in Australia. Fuck me, please. Fuck me. Nice. At the John Hastings for his Australia dates, I'm at Dylan Gott, D-Y-L-E-N-G-O, double up, all over your TTs on Twitter, and I'll be at Peterborough, Ontario, April uh, 18th, Gananoque, April 11th, and please go to those fucking shows. Also, you can get on, us on Twitter and Instagram, at Wrestler Review, Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram, the Wrestler Review podcast on Facebook, even though we don't update that one very often, and also, bend over, suck your own butthole, get the poo out of there. If you don't poo, that's how you gotta get it out of there. You gotta get your friend to put their lips on your butthole, and then they suck real hard, and then the poo it's comes called, out. It's called the self-day, as in, instead of bud-day, self-day. <laughs> That's true, actually. Thanks very much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week. Territory. Death of Territories Part 2. This is of four. Part 2 of four. What a fun time. Businesses failing. Vince McMahon laughing.